Hi, my name's Jeff. I'm alcoholic. Uh, grateful to AA for being sober today. I want to thank Jesse for asking me to share. It's always an honor and a privilege to lead a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, yeah, it certainly is interesting. I thought that I'm terminally new, new, unique and uh, I'm not. I see another Jeff with the correct spelling in the meeting tonight. And, uh, you know, they told me oh, in early sobriety to uh, look for the similarities, not the differences. And uh, to keep coming back, because uh, if you do, you will hear your story. Someone will tell your story. And uh, actually, a woman told her story that was uh, very, very, very similar to mine. And, uh, you know, we get to be a part of in Alcoholics Anonymous, that's a we can, I can't program. Uh, so, you know, I'm gonna share uh, what happened, what it was like and what it's like now. Uh, whenever I start, uh, whenever I speak at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I always start off with a great quote in the big book. Uh, there are a lot of awesome quotes in the big book uh, that have nothing to do with uh, religion or a deity. And one of them is what this one person wrote and uh, it fitted me to a T. And it said that uh, alcohol gave me wings to fly and then alcohol took away the sky. And, and that's exactly what it was because, uh, you know, when I started drinking, um, I heard at a meeting, it was, it was, here we are in a secular meeting, but you'll understand, I think you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. This guy said when he had like his first shot of whiskey, Chivas Regal, it was like a warm hug from God. And, uh, you know, um, alcohol was my higher power. And, uh, I loved everything about drinking and I didn't mind uh, puking. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was concerned about blackouts, but it never stopped me. And uh, I drank pretty much uh, from the age of 15 till the age of 25. And, uh, and, and you know, and then I, uh, I crossed that invisible line probably who knows maybe maybe when i was 18 or when i was 20 uh but it took uh it took being sick and tired of being sick and tired to come into the meetings come into the rooms of aa and uh start the program uh, i want to welcome dustin and joshua you never have to drink again if you don't want to uh you know aa is a one day at a time program and uh I've learned what I, I've, I learned a few things in, you know, I learned many things in my first 30 days, which I still do today. And uh, the most important one, without a doubt, without a doubt is I don't take the first drink because the first drink will get me drunk. So uh, I'm going to go back and just start with uh just my life's history, uh, just some background. I was born in South Africa in 1962, and I lived there until 1977. I uh, lived a very sheltered life, 
And uh, on the outside, everything was for me, for me personally, everything was great for, you know, millions of people, uh, black people in, in the society, it was hell on earth. And uh, the first, when I look back, probably the, f uh, the first emotion that I can remember, uh, well, there were two, okay, one was eating. I really enjoyed eating donuts and ice cream and sweets. They made me happy. And, uh, and then fear. And I had two major fears. The, the fear that, that uh, was ingrained into me being a white South African is that there was going to be a race war and that we had to prepare and uh, um, that it could happen at any moment. Uh, I lived in a country where there were 4 million whites and 20 million blacks and the whites controlled everything. Uh, and then in my own little personal life, I, was, I had tremendous fear of my parents and most, more specifically my mother more than my father because she wore the pants in the family. She was the enforcer. And uh, when I came to America in 1977, one day I turned on the TV and it was Phil Donahue at like three in the afternoon. And they were talking about child abuse. And I went, that's exactly my story. Um, my parents uh, uh, were, were educators in the sense that uh, my father went to Harvard, he got an MBA, he was one of like him and his brother were like the first one of the first two South Africans to go to, to go to Harvard prestigious college. And my mother was a, a, a school teacher and uh, my uh, my father used to have this little poem that he taught us, which was uh, good, better, best, never shall I rest till my good is better and my better best. So there was always that need to achieve, to perform and to be perfect. Um, and uh, it was, you know, I remember, you know, if I got 95 on a test, my father would go, that's not bad, Jeff. You know, my mother would go, what happened to the other 5%? So there was a lot of uh, fear of, of failing because, or, you know, I needed to succeed just to be quote unquote normal. I used to say, my sister and I used to say, yeah, in our family, an A was average, a B was bad and a C was crap. So I got good grades and, uh, um, you know, uh, like I said, I lived an extremely sheltered life in South Africa, but uh, there, there were a lot of things that bothered me. And uh, um, I think later on in life, I, I realized that, uh, you know, I wasn't normal out the gate uh, when I was, and uh, I used to have, I definitely had this, uh, you know, the, 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 the alcoholic can have this personality of being a, inferior having an inferiority complex and also being an egotistical maniac at the same time uh and and that was me and uh um my, you know i my saving grace during growing up in the first 15 years was uh i started playing tennis and i was good at it and uh um it became you know the focus of my life 
Uh, I had on my, my book bag, uh, tennis isn't a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. But, uh, you know, when I lost, it was just so devastating. It was like as if I, you know, I dissolved. I just had to perform to succeed, to win. Uh, and my life's not like that today at all. A uh, couple exa- I want, just want to tell a couple things that happened in South Africa, and then I'm going to move on. You know, um, this whole thing about, you know, you know why, why am I in this group? Why am I, why am I you know, in secular aid today? Well, uh, I couldn't have been brought up more chosen because I was white uh, in South Africa, and I was also brought up Jewish. And there were uh, 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 40,000 South Africans, 40,000 Jews in South Africa out of 20 million people. And uh, 20,000 of them were women. So I was 20,000 out of 20 million. And uh, um, it was was really weird because, It's hard to explain, but, uh, you know, um, it, it was a, just a very weird dynamic. And then, and then to, to add insult to injury, when I was six years old, I went to Hebrew school and we had a teacher from Israel teach us Hebrew. This was in the um, late 60s. And she found it necessary to inform, you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old little kids that, yeah, we were chosen, but 6 million Jews died. And then she went on to explain in great detail how the Nazis did experiments on Jewish people. And uh, without, without a doubt, it, it fucked me up. It was really bizarre. So we left South Africa at the age of 15. And it was like, for me, it was like, uh, um, it was like getting out of jail, okay, even though I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't in a jail. I was in, a, I, I had uh, all the, the outside was great, but the insides were, were churning. And uh, when we came to America, it was like coming, going to Disneyland, the amount of freedom that I found. And uh, six months after being in America, I had my first beer at the age of 15. Then I started smoking weed and I had to do it all in, uh, secret you know secretively because my parents had said we're going to america there's drugs and alcohol if you drink if we find out that you drink or use uh we're going to send you back to south africa and you'll go to the army so i you know i really was able to hide it for for a long time throughout basically high school and uh into into early college um you know i want to go back to south africa because uh when I was 12 years old, we went to a play one night and we came home and uh, we walked, you know, we had a big house, two, you know, two acres, tennis court, swimming pool. And we walking, my sister, my, myself, my mother, my father, and we walking uh, through this like garden path uh, to the front door and uh, the front door is wide open and there are these French doors, the glasses everywhere. And we just all froze. Um, and then two guys came out and they, they also froze for a while. And one of them had, you know, 15 of my father's suits on his one shoulder. And he had this clock that my father had gotten from 
Zurich, Switzerland in his hand. And, uh, at, you know, uh, at the time, I, I just, you know, it's like, fine, fuck everything and run. And that's what I did. I ran to the neighbor's house. And uh, for, for quite a while after that, uh, I was pretty ashamed because I didn't stay to see what was going to happen. Nothing happened to my, to, my, to my family or to those guys. They ran away, but it could have been, you know, someone could have gotten killed easily. Um, one Christmas morning in South Africa, we opened the front door and there was a guy standing there with a knife in his head. Uh, it's a very violent society, and there was violence in my house too. With my mother hitting me with anything and everything that that she could get her hands on. Uh, um, I I was a, a rebellious child, you know. I did not follow the rules, and so I had to. I paid the price a lot. So when we came to America, uh, uh, they wanted me to get the best education. And naturally they, they, you know, so they go, where are you going? They took taking me to, to a great school, Beverly Hills, get high school. So here I am at the age of 15, I've been very sheltered and I'm going to a school where there are people who are 16 years old who, you know, are driving Porsches to Palm Springs, doing Coke. It was, it was wild, but, uh, and I, you know, and uh, I just, when I think back to high school, I'm lucky I'm alive because uh, there were certain just fast cars and crazy situations. Um, but, uh, you know, I also realized that I had to study and that's what I did. And uh, so I got through high school, but uh, my drinking and drugging uh, certainly progressed. Uh, and then, I, and then I, uh, I went to UCLA and then I went to USC um, I dropped out of actually, uh, this was a sad story. I dropped out of UCLA with a 3.5 grade point average because I went to a concert. It was hot at the forum and uh, somebody gave me some PCP. And for the next six months, I pretty much wasn't normal. I mean, I used to, uh, the walls were breathing, uh, pricked myself and couldn't feel. And I had this the strange uh, situation where I wasn't sure what day it was. And this was back in the, in the, uh, in the eighties. And so um, late early eighties. So I would like go to different uh, supermarkets and check the newspaper and see that the date was the same, totally, you know, uh, uh, illusion, just, just, you know, I, I was uh, uh, delusional and, uh, and finally, I told my parents about it, and uh, and I got some help, and I uh, also found out at the time that I was uh, manic depressive, which meant which is mentioned in the big book. The whole chapter can be written upon, and uh, I got to take lithium, and uh, my life got better. Uh, but then again, I drank while I was taking the lithium, so uh, it. Uh, the drinking progressed and my parents were really concerned. They once took me to a doctor and uh, the doctor said, well, how much do you drink a, a, a week? And I go, well, my dad drinks three uh, drinks a night. That's uh, 20, 27 drinks, seven times three, uh, 21 drinks uh, a week. 
And I go, well, I have about 10 on Friday and 10 on Saturday. So what's the difference? And, uh, you know, they, 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 he suggested that I cut down. And uh, my parents took me to my first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And I really thought that the party was over. I thought that if this was going to be a life worth, this was a sentence worse than death. And I remember, not to make this too dramatic, but uh, on the way home, I jumped out of the car and uh, on Wilshire Boulevard, and there was a bus coming. And I know to this day, if I had stumbled, I wouldn't be speaking here tonight. You know, um, um, I want to, uh, let me just see where I'm, where I'm at here. So, you know, I, the first time that I went to AA, I, 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 I'm not like someone who went to their first meeting and never drank again. Um, I took the big book home and uh, read it up with some beers and it didn't do me much good. I started going to this, this group called the Pacific Group on Sunset Boulevard. 700 people attend the meeting every Wednesday night and it was about four miles from my house. So uh, it was, you know, really easy to go to get there. And it was the Clancy's group. Um, I had long hair, I had a beard, and that is not kind of kind of like Mike used to be. And uh, uh, that's not uh, uh, taken too kindly in that group. They ask you to shave, or men should shave off all their facial hair, women should wear dresses. And uh, so I got all these people coming up to me every week because they thought I was a, a newcomer and I hadn't like gotten the deal. But they had some fantastic speakers there. And uh, um, I just, uh, you know, I guess I hadn't hit bottom because uh, I was a two-stepper. I did the first step. I didn't drink. I read the book. I memorized passages started telling people how to stay sober and 11 months I knew I was a fraud I just knew that uh, I wasn't going to get a year and I went up to you know they say take a trip not take a trip I went up to Golden the Golden Gate Park and saw a concert with Santana and some other bands and some guy there just offered me a joint and I put it in my pocket and on the way home with this guy I said let's smoke it and we did the next morning I was buying weed. Uh, and so, you know, I stopped, I stopped uh, drinking in 1984 during the Olympics, watching Carl Lewis, you know, win all the medals at, at, at the Coliseum. And, uh, and I wanted to change my life. But uh, my sobriety date, my clean date is uh, June 1, 1987 when I stopped, I stopped weed. And, uh, you know, for some people, that's a completely outside issue. And that's fine. All I know is that uh, I used to look for weed on the carpet, I used to hide it in books. The most insidious thing I think I ever did uh, is uh, boil bong water one day, you know, um, just uh, crazy, crazy. But um, uh, you know, I love marijuana because I love reggae and uh, my first daughter's name is Marley. Um, I still love reggae today, but, uh, you know, I just don't uh, don't drink, drink or use when uh, when I'm when I'm listening to the music. Um, so 
what I also wanted to share about is just amazing uh, events that, are, that have happened in my life in the last 34 years. And there's this guy named Jimmy D. He's a um, circuit speaker. He lives in Santa Barbara and he's also got a house in Thailand. And uh, I was talking to him one day and he's a, uh, he's, he's also in secular AA, but he also attends a lot of uh, regular AA meetings. And he was saying to me, you know, about, we were talking about God and, and what, you know, what God does in your life or doesn't do in your life. And he said, Jeff, what I believe is that there's two things, good luck and bad luck. And he goes, I've had a lot of good luck. I've made a lot of good luck. And he said, and some real bad things have happened to me too. Uh, and, you know, and that's how, that's how I see these events that took place many years ago, which at the time I, I believed was God's will, you know, and today I don't. Uh, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I left the, the Jewish faith and, uh, um, yeah, strange story. Uh, you know, my wife's Buddhist. We raised our children Christian uh and that's but that but but even the christian church that we went to was not 100 percent christian to other christian churches it was the unity church which uh i found out that uh, 40 percent of uh, people in new york in early aa used to go to uh real simply they don't believe in the divinity of jesus christ they just believe in the message not the messenger but um so uh, I came, uh, so I, you know, I, I, like I said, I've come into uh, to We Agnostic Secular AA and uh, the last seven years of my life have been, uh, I've been rocketed into the fourth dimension. I'm much more involved in AA than I ever was. Uh, I stopped praying on a dime one day when I read an article which said, uh, says why doesn't god heal amputees and uh, the answer was satisfactory for me so that i just said out loud there is no god and uh kind of freaked me out because you know i had been uh indoctrinated and bought the idea that there was this higher power and you know i just could never i, I could never understand why why this the supreme being was doing a lot of good shit in my life and other people were just starving and little kids were dying and just, you know, you can go through all the, all the sad things that happen in life. So this article explained it to me that uh, why doesn't God help amputees? Maybe there just isn't a deity and, and, and uh, whatever works for anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody what to believe or what not to believe in AA, the, uh, I love the line that says, uh, love and tolerance of others is our code. And so just to go back, okay, so a couple of events happened to me, you know, I lost my wallet one day. And, uh, you know, I, I just like prayed that, that, that God would, would find my wallet, you know, and the next thing that happens is two hours later, this guy calls me up and says, Hey, are you Jeff Taylor? I go, yeah. And he goes, I got your wallet. And I'm like, dude, I just want the credit cards and some photos that I've got in there. You can keep the money. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're going to get, you're going to get your wallet back. He goes, I see you have this like little 
these two little pieces of, uh, of laminated paper that have the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And he goes, I've got 18 days of sobriety. Will you take me to a meeting? That was pretty cool, you know, uh, that that happened. And uh, another event that was pretty, that you know, I don't know, how do you explain that? You know, of all the people in the world who could have found my wallet, I'm a lucky guy. So I'm at my job one day and uh, I'm working for this company that's like 24 hours uh, emergency road service. Uh, you know, one of my very first jobs uh, uh, that... Uh, that I got uh, when I was sober and uh, also I'd come out of hospital from, be, from being bipolar, not being on my meds. And so I get this job and uh, this, the boss comes up to me one day and he says, uh, goes, Jeff, I need you to work tomorrow. It's, it was a sad, it was a Friday night. He said that, you know, we're 24 hour day business. And he goes, I need you to work tomorrow. Somebody can't come in. And I said, I, I can't Tom. And he goes, why? And I shook my keychain at him and I had all my chips, you know, the 30 day, the 60 day, the 90 day. And, they, and in the olden days, they used to be in all colors, different colors, red, purple, green, white, uh, yeah, green. So I said, look, uh, I'm the literature person for a meeting at the Alano Club uh, and uh, I, can't, I can't miss it. So. He just looked at me and he's, you know, he said, uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to get very, very far if you, if, if you don't like become a company man and, uh, and make sacrifices for the company. And I just said, no, this is really important. Uh, you know, my sobriety comes first. And he said, okay. And he walked to his office and, and then he turned around and he said, Jeff, come into my office. And I spent the next 45 minutes talking to him about AA and I took him to his first meeting that night. And then, and that was, uh, that was on uh, 14th street in Santa Monica, which is right next door to uh, cemetery. And it was pretty cool going to work every day because I remembered, even though I hated my job, I was alive and all the people on the other side of the street were dead. And then, uh, and then, uh, be, you know, because we became good friends, he asked me even to sponsor him. And I said, no, no, you can't, I can't, you can't be my boss at work and I'm your sponsor in AA. It's not going to work out. But a couple of months later, he asked, uh, he, he was, the company was moving and he asked me if I would move to Thousand Oaks, which, you know, from someone who lived in South Africa and was so sheltered and hadn't lived further than maybe five miles away from their family. Uh, I said, yes. And I moved to 2000 Oaks and I got very involved in Alcoholics Anonymous there. And, um, and, uh, um, and, and it just started a whole new life because I went to a Thai restaurant one day and there I met my wife and, uh, to be, who was, uh, who, who was the, the Thai cook at the restaurant. And, uh, um, um, you know, we've had a, a 30 coming up on 31 years on November the 24th, but uh, the sad story, you know, none of the thing is, is perfect in life. We are getting divorced and uh, um, it is what it is, but uh, um, that, that, that was, you know, an amazing situation that just got me out of Los Angeles and uh, um, got me into a new profession. Um, 
I wanted to to sh and then I'm going to tell one more story. You know, that's just uh, just amazing how AA is like everywhere. Uh, when I was working in Santa Monica, in Santa Barbara for a bank in asset management, and uh, we would lease out equipment uh, to various companies, and we leased out to uh, to Paramount Studios, the 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 gym that was for this like nine o two one o Beverly Hills show that was on TV, and they had their own gym and about half a million dollars worth of equipment. And uh, and I had to 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 basically like sell the equipment at the end to to Paramount or they were, or or or, uh, or, um, or repossess the, the the equipment. And uh, I had to talk to this vice president, and I couldn't get hold of him for the longest of time. And then finally, I got him on the line. And as we start talking, he says, uh, uh, "Mr. Taylor, I have to put you on hold." And I'm just seething because I've just got this guy on the line. He puts me on hold, but he didn't hang up the line. And on the other line, I heard him say uh, to, to somebody, you've got to be at Roxbury tonight. The meeting starts at eight o'clock. And that just changed the whole conversation. It whole, my whole demeanor changed. I was like, he's one of us. I said to him, hi, my, you know, what, I don't know his name even to this day, but I said, uh, I'm also a friend of Bill W. And uh, we had such an amical conversation, which probably would not have happened if I wasn't and he wasn't in AA. Okay, so I got a couple minutes left and I'm gonna turn now to, uh, to the program, which is so important, all right? Uh, the, the program, you know, when I think of AA, the first thing that comes into my mind is the triangle, because the triangle is, is just an image. And on the triangle, there are three words, and it is recovery, service, and unity. And I can always think about one of those. Um, if I get in, if I'm bored, if I get into uh, a sticky situation, I'm thinking of drinking, uh, for whatever uh, reason, uh, Wilson and uh, the first hundred people, they, they, well, certainly Wilson, when he wrote the big book, he put a lot of um, ideas in threes. And maybe that's something that alcoholics can remember. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple, may have heard them before. And uh, so, you know, they say when you come into AA, get three things, get a sobriety date, get a home group and get a sponsor. Uh, if we don't stay sober, chances are we're going to end up either in jails, institutions or death. Uh, when, you know, as, a, as, a, as being an alcoholic, my normal state is being restless, irritable and discontent. But because I've been sober and worked the steps, I can now share experience, strength, and hope. And uh, the how is so important for newcomers. You know, you need three, just three things can, can, can really get you well on your way in Alcoholics Anonymous. And those three are honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And then, um, when it comes to some of the slogans, those are also three. And uh, uh, keep coming back, easy does it, first things first, 
And then there was one on the wall that uh, I had asked my, my sponsor or an old timer about, and that was a slogan that says, think, think, think. It's three words, but it's the same three words. Must be pretty important. And I asked this guy one day, and he gave me a fantastic answer. And he said, think the drink through. Drink, drunk, and then you can either make the last word dead or disaster. Not too many good things are going to come out of me starting drinking today. And uh, also, you know, they talk about the ism of alcoholism, which is incredibly short memory. And uh, I have to be reminded constantly, constantly that I'm an alcoholic and I can't take the first drink. Uh, you know, it's so ironic that, uh, well, back in, you know, in the 80s or in the 50s, they always used to, people think of alcoholics as someone who, who was, uh, you know, they think of a, of a gutter drunk, somebody, you know, who's uh, homeless. And ironically, the first three alcoholics in the program were Bill, was Dr. Bob, a doctor, Bill, a stockbroker. And there was another guy named Bill D, number three, and he was a lawyer. Um, and then uh, I just, you know, um, when that day happened to me, when I read that article, why doesn't, uh, why doesn't God help, uh, uh, um, heal amputees? I, uh, I felt like after, after I'd said there is no God, that I was on a roller coaster going downhill with no end. And uh, I was very fortunate because the next day I went to the supermarket and there was this guy named Jerry with 38 years of sobriety. And uh, I, I told him my predicament. What am I going to do now? I don't have a higher power in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said, uh, G-O-D, you know, three letters group of drunks. And, uh, you know, that that's enough for me today. Um, the acronym does not uh, upset me at all. The word God doesn't upset me at all, because it has a completely different meaning for me, you know, G good orderly direction, gift of desperation. Um, I've also grow or die. And, and the, my most favorite one that I've ever heard is gift of dialogue because that's what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous, one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic, whether it's at a meeting, whether it's, uh, you know, for coffee, whether it's a sponsor, sponsee relationship. Um, and then uh, that never happened to me in bars. I mean, sure, maybe it did from time to time, but if you go to bars, everybody's talking and, very few people are listening and it's loud. Uh, the meetings are, are completely the antithesis of that. Um, if someone wants to boil down this program into, this is just my opinion, I could be completely wrong, but uh, if you want to boil down this program into three slogans that are, that, that are, that are written in the big book, uh, um, they are first things first, easy does it, and live and let live. And uh, first things first means that 
obviously today's the first day of the rest of my life. Uh, the first drink will get me drunk. And that uh, I have to do things first every day. Every day as, as someone who is uh, uh, bipolar, uh, for, this, for this person, I need to take my meds just as much as I do not take the first drink. And they always say, do the next right thing. Um, that's pretty, it's a pretty simple statement, but if one does the next right thing over and over and over, one's gonna have a pretty good life. And regarding um, live and let live, live and let live means that I have to let, I have to live my life, okay? And enjoy my life to the best of my ability and then let others live their lives. And uh, sometimes I have to love people from afar because uh, they are not, uh, they're not good for my life. You know, there are some people are toxic and I have had to make uh, very um, painful decisions, but remove certain people from my life. And, uh, you know, uh, we can only live in the now and, uh, so I live for today and uh, try and stay as much as I can out of the control of other people, because all I really can control is my reaction, you know, uh, my reaction to, to other people and uh, uh, do, do what, what, what makes me happy, joyous and free. And easy does it is great. Uh, uh, I saw in Joe's book that uh, uh, we, we, we flip it around, you know, it does easy. Um, I, when I was drinking and using, I used to uh, rush around. I used to get anxious, um, uh, make so many poor decisions. And today, um, you know, I, I try to relax. I try not to be overwhelmed. Um, I always, you know, I think that uh, precision is a lot better than confusion. Um, they say that uh, my, my wife has a saying in Thai, which says, uh, life is short, so why not go slow? Um, I used to speed. I used to, you know, drive at 85, 90, 90 miles an hour. And I don't do that anymore today. Um, and you know what? I haven't gotten that many tickets since, I've, since I've stayed with the speed limit. Um, so just a couple other, few more things that I want to share. And then I'm going to, I'm going to end, uh, um, you know, I, there, one of the most uh, amazing events that happened to me was in 2014. They all like happened together, really. But uh, one was that this pamphlet came out called Many Paths to Spirituality. And it talks about various people sharing, you know, that they have uh, different religions. Uh, there was a Catholic, a Jew, an, an Amer American Indian. And on the very back page, they have an atheist. And uh, that was, that was uh, phenomenal. That was the same year, obviously, that I, uh, that, uh, that I had my experience at the computer. And then 
in that same year, I managed to go of, of all places in the world to Santa Monica to the first annual We Agnostic Atheist Freethinker Convention. And that, you know, I wish I'd gone for all three days, but I only went for, for one. And uh, it was like before I saw AA in black and white and now it was in color. It was phenomenal. Um, I wish I could say that I heard Phyllis H. speak at the convention, but I did not. I, I but I had, did listen to her speech on the internet, and here was this woman who came to the convention. She was a believer, and she also happened to be the uh, general manager of Alcoholics Anonymous in the world, and. Um, she gets paid very well for her position, uh, um, like just like a CEO of a major corporation. And so she comes to the We Agnostic Atheist Convention and I'm reading just what somebody wrote. And they said that uh, she said, she began by relating a parable about a man, a drunken man who had fallen into a deep pit First, a priest came by and offered a book for the man to read, but that didn't help. Next, a doctor came by and offered medicine, which also did not help. Lastly, another alcoholic came by and he jumped into the pit with the drunk. Astonished, the drunk inquired, why? The alcoholic replied, and the drunk, sorry, astonished, the drunk inquired, why did you jump in? The alcoholic replied, I know where you've been and I can help you climb out. She also explained that uh, AA has always been evolving, that it's always been in a state of becoming. And she further opined that hopefully AA will never become too dogmatic, but always be imbued with the love and tolerance as to ensure that everyone is included. So, uh, and, and, and this was said in 2014, and uh, uh, I'm gonna end with, uh, with what Bill Wilson said in, two, in 1961, because when I read this, this also opened the door for, in my mind, to secular AA. In, he said, uh, first of all, he wrote the big book in 1939, 21 years later, he's extremely critical of himself. In AA's first years, I all but ruined the whole undertaking with a sort of unconscious arrogance. God, as I understood him, had to be for everybody. Sometimes migration was subtle and sometimes it was crude. But either way, it was damaging, perhaps fatally to a number of non-believers. Of course, this sort of thing isn't confined to 12-step work. It's very apt to leak, leak out in our relationships with everybody. Even now, I catch myself chanting the same old barrier-building refrain, do as I do, believe as I do, or else. So um, I love uh, an all-night place. It's uh, It's really uh, um, where I belong. Uh, you know, I, I feel so comfortable in my own skin when I come to this meeting. Uh, I love all secular meetings. Uh, I went to, like I, I told some other people, 
somebody somebody was uh, in my in my home group that I've been going to since 1994, which I haven't gone through co since COVID. Obviously, is has got cancer, and he was supposed to show up at the meeting, and uh, there was a birthday, and he wanted ice cream, and so someone said, "Would you bring ice cream?" And I said, "Of course, of course. What am I going to say? No." And I went to the meeting, and. Uh, you know, I've been in this room, that room since 1994, and it was jarring because uh, one woman said um, that her mother died and that God spoke to her sponsor and her sponsor said that her mother spoke to her and that she can now forgive her mother. Now, that's a great story. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. But for this alcoholic, I just can't go down that path. You know, another guy was selling his mobile home and he was like, hadn't sold it for three months. And he's like, well, God's got a sense of humor and uh, maybe it will sell next month. And he's just testing me. And um, the more and more I'm in secular AA, the less and less I want to go to, we, to, uh, to back to regular AA. But I always know it's there. And I always know that they are also my brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, we have a common suffering. Um, AA works for those who work it. You know, not everybody needs AA, uh, but, but uh, it's for people who want it. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, I didn't get killed by that uh, bus, you know, 34 years ago. And that, uh, I've uh, I've trudged the road of happy destiny. Most brutal thing I'll ever do is not take the first drink. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jeff. Uh, that was great. Yeah. I had not gotten to hear your story before, and 